There's a Gemara in Mesecha Shabbos, Dafyud Bezim and Bez, a beautiful Gemara. The Gemara there says, Lo Yikra Lo Arhaner Shemayata, that a person's not supposed to learn on Shabbos on Friday night by the light of a candle. Shemayata, because there's a fear that if he does so, he might if he wants to see something a little closer in the Gemara and the, the light is not bright enough, he might tip the oil in the lamp in order to increase, in order to amplify the light. And of course, that's uh, an Isser Dairais of Havara. So Chazal made a Takana that you're not supposed to read. You're not supposed to read altogether by the light on Friday night, by the candlelight. Unless you have somebody else with you that's going to be a shimer, etc. But that's the halacha. Amr Rabbi Yishmael ben Elisha. Rabbi Yishmael ben Elisha says, Ani ekra v'layeta. That doesn't pertain to me. I'm able to learn by the candlelight on Friday night and I won't tip it over. I'm at Yerushamayim. Nothing's going to happen to me. I'm very cool, calm, and collected. I'm not going to lose sight of the fact that it's Shabbos. So for me, it's fine. I'm different. Ani ekrevelai eta. Pamachas kara. One time it happened that he wanted to read by the light of the candle. Uvikesh vahatais. And he was about to tilt the oil to make it brighter. He was about to. He didn't actually do it, but he was about to do it. Omar, and he said, Kama gedailem divrei chachamim, how great are the words of the chachamim, the words of our sages, shayu aimrim, lo yikra laar they were smarter than I. They said that you shouldn't do this because you might come to tilt the lamp and I thought that I'd be better, it doesn't pertain to me. And look at how great the words of the Chachamim are, that they said what they said, and you can't question them, you can't doubt them. If they say something, they know what they're talking about. Reb Nassan Aymer, Reb Nassan says, no, no, that wasn't the story. Kara Vehita. Rabbi Shmuel ben Elisha actually read, and he tilted it. He actually was over the Isser of, of being Mavir, of, of, of adding fuel to the fire, Kara vehite vehita vekasval pinkasai, and he wrote in his ledger, "Ani Yishmael ben Elisha, I Yishmael the son of Elisha karisi vehitisi." I read and I tilted. Ner b'Shabbos, a light on Shabbos, l'cheshi bana beis hamikdash avi chatas shmena, and when the beis hamikdash is around, I owe. I'm writing a ledger now. These people lived with the cognizance that Mashiach is going to come any day. So you have to keep a cheshbon. We don't think of that. So we don't, uh, we're, we're not making these cheshbon. We don't have a special notebook about what we have to do when Mashiach comes. But people, Tanoim, Amiroim, these are people that lived with the reality of Mashiach. And they said that when Mashiach comes, Avi Chatishmin, I owe. To bring a chatos. I bring, have to bring a carbon chatos. When a person is over a malacha b'shayg, he has to bring a chatos. So I have to bring a chatos. But it doesn't just say a chatos. 
it says, Avi chatas shmena. I have to bring a gezunta chatas, a fat chatas. What's the pshat of fat chatas? And if you bring a skinny chatas, a chatas is a chatas. So I saw in the Ran, the Ran says that chatas shmena is an allusion to the avera that he violated. He violated an avera that had to deal with shemen. So chata shmena is like an illusion, like a mida kenegad mida. Like I, I was over something with shemen. I have to bring a chatas. That's not just a chatas, a chata shmena, a, a, a fatty chatas, a chatas that has an illusion to the shemen, to the shmena that I violated. But in the hakdama to sefer malachim amonecha. Rabbi Yitzchak Zilberstein writes, he has a Messiah, we have a Kabbalah. He heard from Shmuel Vosner, the Pesach Adar, who lived in Bnei Brak. He was a Talmud of Yachel of Yeshivas Chachmei Lublin, one of the closest Talmudim of Meir Shapiro, who brings that he heard from the Chassam Seifer, and the Chassam Seifer heard this from who? From his Rebbe. Who is the Rebbe of the Chassam Seifer? Reb Nassan Adler. Reb Nassan Adler. So we have a Messiah from Reb Vosner to the Chassam Sefer to Reb Nassan Adler. That if a person is over on Isser Durabonin on Shabbos, let's say a person violates an Isser Durabonin, something that the Rabbonin answered, not a Dairaisa. If I'm violating a Dairaisa, Chas on Shabbos, so basically is around, they have to bring a Chatos. That's easy. Let's say I violated Durabonin. I do something that it's not an Isser Taira, it's an Isser Durabonin. What do I do then? I can't bring a Chatos. So what do I do? So he says, there's one Eitzah, that when you're bringing a carbon, when you bring a normal carbon for an Isser Dairaisa that you violated, you make it a little fatter. If it's a fatter carbon, so that's going to be kailal in that carbon, not just the Yisurei Taira, but the Yisurei Durabanan as well. When your Bishmal ben Elisha was Kara Vihita, he did two things. The first thing he did was he was Ivan Isidaraisa. He, he added fuel to the fire on Shabbat, that's an Isidaraisa. But there was another violation that was an Isidarabanan. He, he went up against the Gezeras Chacham of Shemayate, you're not supposed to be doing this. So he says, you know what, I can't, there's nothing direct that I could do to Mechaper for that. But when I bring my carbon, when I bring my carbon Chatos, because of the violation of the Dairaisa that I did, I'm going to not just make it a, a regular carbon Chatos, I'll get a fatter carbon Chatos, one that has a little bit more meat on the bones, and that extra will be kailo, that will include, that will be mechaper for my Isser Durabanan as well. A beautiful yesait from Nassan Adler. It's brought that this Chiddush of Nassan Adler was already said by the Sheilas Yaivitz. It says a very similar vart, practically an identical vart. Now, Bizman of the base Mikdash was Kayim, we had Karbanis. And even now, we have an Eitzah. Chazal tell us that 
Kala Isaac Bachatas Kila Kilo Hikrif Khatas. Kala Isaac the Ayla Kila Hikrif Ayla. When we learn the parashias of Karbanis, when we'll get to Sayyid Bayikra, we'll learn about it more. But when you're learning about a carbon, it's as if you brought it. It's as if you brought it. It's ki'ilu, you, you're a mak of an ayla. You're a mak of a shlamim. So we have a way, even nowadays, if we're chas v'shalom, we ever violated Isurei Taira, and we're, we owe a chatas, we owe a, other carbonists for different things that we've done or we haven't done. So we have a, a way to do that. We have a way to, to be mechaper by learning about it. Let's say that we are over Isuri Drabanan. Let's say we violate Drabanan. Sometimes we say, eh, it's only Drabanan, not a big deal. And then we learn more about how great the Kayach Lechacham are. How are we able to Mechaper for that? What's our Chata Shmeina? What's that extra thing that we could do nowadays to atone for the Isuri Drabanan that we violate? And I think that what we can do is we can have a greater appreciation for Chachmei Yisrael. The more that we're able to read about G'dayli Yisrael, talk about G'dayli Yisrael, be enamored by G'dayli Yisrael, hold them in the highest esteem, and if somebody's speaking in any way, in a negative way about G'dayli Yisrael, Rabbanim, Tamid Chachamim, then make a macha. Those are the ways that we can be mechaper for any infractions of the Rabbanans. Because a lot of times the fact that we're going against the Rabbanans mean that we don't have enough hakara for how great our G'daylam are. And so by working on that, on our Amunaz Chachamim, our hakara for G'dayli Yisrael, our appreciation for the G'daylam that we have and the G'daylam that we have no, no longer, that's going to be able to be a kapara. I believe, perhaps, for the Drabanans that were over. In this week's parsha, in Parsha's Kisavai, the Pasuk says, V'samachta b'chalataiv asher nasen l'cha Hashem l'kecha that you should rejoice b'chalataiv with all of the good that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives you. When HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives you good, you have to be happy about it. You have to appreciate it. You can't take it for granted. In the Wednesday night vod this week, we spoke about the famous Arachayim HaKadosh, probably the most famous Arachayim HaKadosh in the entire Torah. What he speaks about this pasuk, the Samach that is talking about Torah and about how a person, if he would know the Mesikos and the Arevas HaTorah, how sweet the Torah is, how Geshmak the Torah is, how you Mishtagin and Mislatin Achara, a person would go Meshuga, you would run after, you would chase after it. If people would only know how geshmak it is to learn Torah, and we discussed in that vad from Shimshim Pincus about what we can do, how we could appreciate Torah, how we could have that v'harev na, the sweetness, how we could feel sweetness and enjoy the Torah, and so many of us are challenged by that. And like I said in the vad, I have—I don't think a day goes by during this man that somebody doesn't come to me in one form or another and say, "Rebbe, I'm learning. I'm here, but honestly, I don't really enjoy." Learning. I don't have a geshmak in learning. I never had a geshmak in learning, or maybe I did at one point and I lost it. And we spoke in the vod, and you could listen to a recording of it, what Rapinka says to do about such an instance. But there's a sefer called Tiferes Shleimah. 
that I saw, he says a different shot. He says that Taiv is not a reference to Taira like the Arachayim HaKadosh says, or maybe it is, but additionally, Taiv is a reference to a Tzadik. As the Pasuk says in Yeshaya, Imru Tzadik Ki Taiv. A Tzadik is a Bechina of Taiv. If you want to know what's good in this world, a Tzadik is good. And the Taira is saying to a Yid, Ki Yismach when there's a tzaddik that's in every generation, in every generation, there are tzaddikim, we know there are tzaddikim in every generation. The samachta b'chal means that a person has to have akara. You have to be happy, you have to be rejoicing and be grateful for the fact that there are tzaddikim in our dar. That's how he learns the pshat. The samachta b'chalatayv. Imrut tzaddik hitayv. A tzaddik is good. The samachta b'chalatayv. The tayv. The tzaddikim that we have. The samachta b'chalatayv. You have to enjoy them. You have to appreciate them. You have to have akara for how great they are and what we could gain from them. It's brought down from the great Rebbe, the Chayzim Lublin. They say about the Chayza Milublin that he was able, the reason why he's called the Chayza, Chayza means to see, that he was able to see He was able to see everything that was happening throughout the entire world. He knew Baruch HaKadosh. And the Chayza Milublin said, this was obviously no small individual, this was a great tzaddik himself. And he said that the, every, all of the years, there are Blevi Yitzel Mibarditshev, the great holy Barditshev, the great protector of Klal Yisrael, the defender of Klal Yisrael, every day that he was alive, the Chayzim Ublin would be meyachid every day, a certain amount of time, a shah, achas, whatever that is, a few minutes, I don't know, maybe it's a whole hour, to give gratitude and halal to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that he sent into this world such a great neshama that's so holy, like the Baiditshavah. That's this pasuk. V'samachte b'chalatayv. When you have great neshamas in this world, when you have people that are walking the same planet as we are, and they're these huge, larger-than-life tzaddikim, you have to appreciate them. When they're alive, you have to recognize how great they are. V'samachte b'chalatayv. Baruch Bar used to say, Al tashlicheni milfanecha. This is, I think, one of the most beautiful veretlach from a Baruch Ber that I know. Baruch Ber, you say, what does that mean? We're going to say it constantly during Slichas and during Yom Neiraim. Al tashlicheni milfanecha. Don't cast me away. V'ruach kachacha al tikach menen. Don't take away my ruach hakaydesh. Don't take away my ruach hakaydesh. We're all saying that. That's not just for the stipler to say Everybody's saying, don't take away Meruch HaKadosh. I don't know, by a show of hands, how many people in this room have Ruach HaKadosh? Obviously, you're not going to admit to it, right? That wouldn't be appropriate, but I don't think too many people have Ruach HaKadosh. But yet, this is a tefillah that everybody says. Ruach we're screaming it out. Ruach HaKadosh, who has Ruach HaKadosh? What does that mean? Listen to what Rabbi Baruch Ber says. It doesn't mean our Ruach HaKadosh. It means don't take away the G'day Yisrael. 
the Ruach HaKadosh, the Ruach HaKadosh in the world, the G'dayle Yisrael who have Ruach HaKadosh, the Chafetz Chaims of the world, the Stiflers of the world, the Rebchaim Kanievskis of the world, don't take them away, we need them, don't take them away from us. The Ruach it's a tefillah for G'dayle Yisrael. The truth is that we say this every single Monday and Thursday, L'kayim Banu Chachme Yisrael, we ask HaKadosh Baruch Hu, make sure that our G'dayli Yisrael have a kiyom. Let them stay with us. Let them be strong and healthy and alive because we need them. And when a person is able to have this hakara of how great it is to have G'dayli Yisrael, the powers of G'dayli Yisrael, the fact that there is a Gadol that's protecting the world and a place that we could be Shail Eitzah and a person that's learning so much that 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 there's an R that they're bringing to the world. That's a kapara. That's the chata shmena that we have. That's the way we can atone for all of the infractions, the, the rabbinic infractions, the fact that we weren't machshav g'dayli Yisrael enough. I remember so well that when I was in yeshiva in high school, I went to Long Beach, Masifta of Long Beach. And the Rashiva was also one of the G'dayli Yisrael. His name was Erbitzlik Fegelstock. He was a Talmud Muvuk of Rav Aaron Kotler. And they say amazing things about him. He was a very inspirational figure. And I don't know if I've... I think I spoke about him when he was Nifter, but I don't speak about him often enough. He was a person... Normally, you know, you read G'daylim stories and... And you read about how from when they were a little boy, they already finished Shas and Paiskin by the Bar Mitzvah, they made a Simon Kula, and you know, and you lose them. At that point, your eyes start glazing over and you shut the book and you say, I'm Apple. But what happened to Rebitsa Fehusha was very different. He grew up during the war. He was during the war he was on the run. His family escaped from Europe. And he was raised in in, in South America. I forgot exactly which country was in South America, but one of the South American countries, maybe Colombia or one, one of those countries. And in fact, it's very cute because there was, we had a, you have to understand, Rabisa Feuerstock was like a, a legend. You know, in Long Beach, like people, like the, the Talmidim, everything was Rabisa Feuerstock. It was like the whole you know, sun, the moon, and the stars was the Rashiva. The Rashiva said this, the Rashiva said that. He looked at the, you know, and everybody was, you know, trembling in his presence and like being machnir themselves, like humbling themselves. Every word that he said, they were darshaning. And then one day, like I was in the summer, I was, I lived in Long Beach, so I used to go to Yeshiva in the summer when nobody was there. And I, I went into, you know, I was going to, and all of a sudden I hear that the Rashiva is talking to the janitor. The janitor was from Bolivia, and he was a very nice guy, and they were talking in Spanish. As what? Ritzel Feus like speaks Spanish? Like, like, you know, he only he has to just speak Yiddish. He doesn't. He barely spoke English. But then, like, I thought that he grew up in South America. He spoke Spanish, but it was like so funny to see him talking to a janitor in Spanish. I was like, but. He was a person that didn't go to a formal yeshiva until 
deep into high school, I think. Deep into high school. He had very little chinuch. And then he went to Tervadas, and I, one of the Rashivas there saw something in him, I think of Gedal Yishar, if I'm not mistaken, and sent him to, they saw, they, they, he, he grew very quickly in learning, and they sent him to Ravaran. He told me the story himself, the Rashiva once by Kiddush on Shabbos in the summer when it was more chilled. He told me that he was once in the room, he, he was sent by Gedal Yishar, I believe, to a Fahar by Ravaran. Going to a Fahar by Ravaran Cutler, I think I would rather literally walk through fire than to sit in a room getting fahar by Ravaran Cutler. Ravaran Cutler was, you know, Ravaran Cutler was in his brain, you know, they say he bled Tyra. If you'd cut his veins, Tyra would come out. He was the, the genius of geniuses. Imagine sitting in the room if you were an advanced Talmud Chacham. But Rebitzofelishlak was already, he was not, he was just, he was like a, like a, a newcomer to Tyra almost. He was, a few years maybe he learned. And he was supposed to sit and get a fahar to come into Lakewood. And Ravaran was speaking to him, and he was like schmoozing for a little bit, and then he said, okay, no, what are you learning? And he started getting so nervous. All of a sudden, there was a knock on the door, and Ravaran had to take an important phone call. These were, I think, during like, the post-war years, and it was, Ravaran was spearheading the Vadat Sala, and there was a lot of crazy things that he had to deal with every day. And, you know, he had to go. He says, okay, fine, you're in yeshiva, you know, and go, 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 go and pack your bags. Uh, says, saved by the bell. Saved by the bell. His mamash literally said, if he said, if I would have taken a fair, the history would have been changed. I would not have gotten into Lakewood. I would not have been, you know, he was the Talmud Muvuk of Ravaran. Ravaran used to pace back and forth and discuss klal issues, get eitzes from him, hadracha from him. It's hard to understand what that means. Even I asked his son-in-law by the shiva, what does that mean? I, 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 you know, I, I, I've heard these stories since I was a child. That Rav Aaron was shoyel eitzah by a 19-year-old Rebitzer Feilshlag. What does that mean? Rav Aaron Kotler didn't need anyone's eitzahs, let alone a 19-year-old bacher. Like, I don't even know what it means. And I asked his son-in-law, who's like the Rashiva today, and he says, I, I don't know what it means either. I really don't know either, but he told me another story, you know, that shows the pikchas of Rebitzer. Rebitzer was a tremendous pikeach. But, you know, he, was me, he, 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 he helped Ravaran through a lot of issues, maybe just to speak it out and to understand it and to clarify things, to be mad things, I don't know. But Rebitzah was a tremendous Ayyad Hashem, and he was, uh, was, he was a tzura, he had a semel of kedusha, of tara, of seriousness, everything was serious, and nothing was random. And he got up always before the tekiyas on Rosh Hashanah, and just to give a just a, a thirty second plug, how important it is. Manal spoke about it yesterday. How important it is to be in yeshiva on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippurim. I can't overstate it. it. It's 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 impossible to understand the, the difference between being in yeshiva on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur and being in your local shul. As great as that shul may be, and as great as the rav there may be, and as great as it is next to your parents, and but. To be in yeshiva in the place that you learn Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippurim is you can't you cannot compare. I mean, you know in Eretz Yisrael how the experience of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. We have a beautiful davening here. Don't don't squander it. It's not a day you know you want to squander up, so, you know. But don't lose the Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur in yeshiva, please, for your own sake. Yisrael would get up before the tekiyas. And he would give a very short dvaratayah. I have them all written down at home if you want to see them. But just a, 
just divrei hisiris before the tekiyas. But he always ended with this, and it made such a reishim on me. Beyond what he said in terms of the Torah, and I remember the Torah also, but he always ended, he says, He says, when you're davening, he says, have in mind the Panavich Rashiva. The Panavich Rashiva should, 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 have, should be gesund. Rav Shach, he should be, continue to be Nayaklal Yisrael, to be Maniklal Yisrael. And like, I'm thinking, like, you're the God of Adar, and what are you telling me about Rav Shach? But. He was telling us that you have to appreciate Kedayla Yisrael. You have an Adam Gadol. Don't squander it. Don't, you know, you don't, that doesn't mean you have to go there and ask for brachas every minute and run and waste his time, but at least be makir in America that there's a Gadol Yisrael, that there's somebody that's being manik la Yisrael. And you have to daven for that person because that person is not just a person. The person is mamish megan umatzel la Yisrael. I made such a reishim, like that's something I have to daven for, not just for my shtaigen, not just for my parents' health, and not just for parnasa issues, and, and, but that there's a gadol b'yisrael that you have to be misbahal for. You know, during the Persian Gulf War, so I've spoken about this war many times already, and it was a time that was really in Esar Yaakov that there was a Tzara Yehudim, Saddam Hussein Yamachshamay, and he was in Iraq, and America was about to launch an attack, and they knew that he's going to take Nakama if his country's invaded. He can't shoot missiles at America. He didn't have that technology, but he was going to go to the proxy. He was going to go and shoot missiles there. So he made no bones about it. He, he said that that's what his plans were. And, and they knew that America was about to invade, and he was threatening the annihilation of, of Eretz Israel. There was, they had Scud missiles, Scud missiles, these huge missiles, each of them were the size of school buses, and they were going to launch them all to Eretz Israel. and there was a fear that there was going to be like biological and chemical warheads on top of them that would, and so they gave out gas masks, maybe you've seen pictures of it, how everyone in Eretz Israel was fitted for gas masks, and they had sealed rooms, and during this war, they didn't know what was going to be. It was very frightening times in America, on 1010 Winds, which was like the, the news station here, every time a Scud missile was shot from, from, towards Eretz Israel, the news station stopped whatever they were doing, and there was a siren on the station, and telling exactly where it was heading, and everybody was shaking. Every year in New York and beyond, we were like petrified what was going to be. So they, a lot of Americans that were learning in Eretz Israel, they, they wanted to know, should we stay or should we go back home? The parents were saying, come home, we don't want you there. But should they stay or should they not? And they went to Rav Shach, and they asked him, and then they went to Rav Chaim, and they asked him, Rav Chaim says, you don't have to go, you stay here. Stay here, B'nai Brak, or really the whole Eretz Israel. They said, but he said, Rav Shach is here. And Rav Shach is like the Iron Dome. Before the Iron Dome, Rav Shach is going to protect B'nai Brak, he's going to protect Eretz Yisrael. They said, that's very nice. The only problem is we just came from Rav Shach. And Rav Shach said, if you can go home, you should go home. So Rav Chaim said an amazing thing. Rav Chaim said, that's because Rav Shach doesn't know who Rav Shach is. 
We know who Rav Shach is. He doesn't, he's not Machshev, who he himself is, but we know who he is. I saw from Rav Asher Zalag Rubinstein, who was Rashiva of Tara Simcha, that when Rav Shach was sick, he said about him that the Gemara in Tainus, Chafal Aleph says about Nachemish Gamzu, who said about himself, that as long as I'm in the house, the house is not going to fall. The house, it was a shaky, rickety house. He says, take out all the wine, take out all the stuff, because, and keep me in here until everything is out, because as long as I'm in the house, it's not going to fall. And he says, that's what Rav Shach was. Rav Shach was the Balabas of the world. He was the God of Israel. As long as he was in the world, everything was good, everything was fine. And it's true, that's what happened. 39 missiles fell in Eretz Israel, and there was no direct casualties. No one died. I had a cousin actually who died, but he didn't die of a direct hit. He was, he was an older, he was my father's cousin actually, and he was uh, maybe in his 80s, a Holocaust survivor, and he was so scared when they sealed the rooms and they put the gas mask on, he had like these you know, flashbacks to when he was a little child in the war and he died of a heart attack. But he was the, one of the few people in Eretz Israel that, that died. No one died as a direct as a, as in direct hit. The last day of the war, one of the last days of the war, a Scud missile hit an American encampment outside of Israel, somewhere like maybe in Saudi Arabia or something, that same Scud missile, and it killed over 100 Marines, I think, were killed. Something crazy. Just to show, they had, I'm not saying it was done to show us, but just to give an example of the power of these Scud missiles, but HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, there's a Rav Shach in Eretz Yisrael, and I'm not, I'm not going to do harm. He's here. I, can't, I don't have the right to do any harm to Eretz Yisrael. And you know, the same thing happened with Rav Chaim Kanievsky. Rav Chaim Kanievsky was nifter. B'nai Brak was always the safest place in the world. Right after Rav Chaim was nifter, maybe during the week of Shiva, all of a sudden, I don't know if you remember, there was like, all, in, in B'nai Brak itself, there was like uh, an Arab that had a, had a knife and started attacking people. People were getting hurt. and every, You didn't have to have Ruch HaKadosh to understand that Rav Chaim was nifter and now the Shemira is gone. I just read today, I think there's a, a terrible infestation of rodents now in B'nai Brak. And there was a Pisic in Bnei Brak that sang about Sukkis, whether or not, you know, it's Mitzdar, whether you, if it continues by Sukkis, you might be part of him sitting in the Sukkah. If you're on the first floor Sukkah, you have to try to make accommodations to the second floor Sukkah. It's a, it's a Sakana. Besides for the fear, it's also they, these rodents are biting children. They're causing all types of damage. And I'm thinking to myself, how come we never heard about such a thing? I never heard of a rodent invitation in Bnei Brak. When did that happen? And again... I don't think that would ever happen if Reb Chaim Kanievsky was, was alive. These things didn't happen then. When he's, when he's no longer alive, we, we, we lack a shmira in Bnei Brak, in Eretz Yisrael, in the world. You have to be happy, you have to appreciate when you have tzaddikim in the world. Because after their nifter, it's just too late. It's just too late. Then you wish, oh, I wish I would have known. Had I only known, I would have gone there. I would have gotten a brach. I would have appreciated tzaddikim that we have in the world in their living years. I just want to spend the remaining few moments just talking about my Rosh Hashiva, the Manal's Rosh Hashiva, Rabbi Aaron Shechter, I spoke about 
about 40 minutes in, in Brooklyn last night about him. You can get that recording as well if you're interested. But I just want to just touch on, 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 on one Nakud of Ravaran's greatness. And, and he was a, a great human being. He was unbelievable. You know, when Rebchatzko Levenstein, the great Mashkiach in Panovich, and before that in the Mir, when he was Nifter, Revolbi was masped him. And Revolbi said something about him that always also stuck in my brain. He says, when Rebchatzko was Nifter, we lost the last of the Yitzhi Mitzrayim. The last people that left Egypt, the last person to leave Egypt was just Nifter. What does that mean? Rebchatzko lived Emunah Bitochen. That was his whole life. And every day of his life, the parsha that he was Isaac with the most with, was the, the epicenter of Emunah Bitochen, which is Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. He has so much taira about Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim and everything that went into it and all the Rambans. And there's so much Yitzhiyas. It's He was the one that lived as if he was leaving Mitzrayim every day. It wasn't just like Seder night, we try to you know, simulate as if we left Mitzrayim. Imagine we left Mitzrayim. He lived Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim every day. When was the last person that left Mitzrayim? Nifter? He was Nifter when Rebchatzko Levenstein was Nifter. That was him. He was, the, he was Mamash, he left Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim Bechvaydeh Ba'atzmai. That's who we, that's who we lost. It was the last of, of uh, the last. It was the Achrein Shebachreinim. And I think, this is my own thing, and it might not be fair to say or true to say, but if I can say one thing about Rav Aaron, when Rav Aaron was Nifter, we, la- we lost the last of the person that was in the Slabotka mold of Godless Adam. Rav Aaron was a complete embodiment of what the altar from Slabotka envisioned was the greatness that man could be. And the altar raised Talmidim that all understood this. He had Talmidim, Rav Aaron Kotler, and Rav Shach, and Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky, and Rav Ruderman, and, and Rav Hutner. And Rav Hutner raised and developed Rav Aaron Shechter. And Rav Aaron Shechter was the symbol of Godless Adam. There was nothing that was trivial by Rav Aaron. There was nothing that just happened. There was nothing. You couldn't say something to Rav Aaron without him taking note of it and, and, and commenting on it. If you said something or you did something that was slightly wrong, if the word that you used was slightly incorrect, that everyone else in the world would just let it go, he didn't let it go. He wanted to correct you because he wanted to mechanic you that you can't use that word or you shouldn't use that word or you should use a different word. And he was godless Adam. He just symbolized. I went with him to, to Belgium once. We flew together. It was one of the nicest times of my life. We went to a chasna and we went on the airplane together. We were sitting and talking and learning and schmoozing. And, we went and, ca- and he was walking through the airports in Belgium and Antwerp and in Brussels. And, you know, these are anti-Semites, Miminam Smailam, and they were all looking at him like a, like a Malach Hashem Tzvakis is walking through the airport. It wasn't, he just walked with a, an aristocracy, a nobility, and everything, he just looked beautiful, and he, he presented himself beautifully, and he, he walked, and he, he was just so graceful and so elegant. And he loved Yidin. Like every God will be Israel. A God will be Israel, the Chazanish used to say that what defines a God will be Israel 
his circle is bigger. He's not much different in every single way. We might all be G'dayim, but a Godel has a wider circle and he's able to encompass more people, thousands of people. You saw by the Leviah, if anyone saw pictures of by the Leviah, there were thousands and thousands of people in the base Medrash and, and streaming onto Coney Island Avenue as far as the eye could see. Whoever thought that there would be another Leviah, I was by Ramesh's Leviah, you saw, you know, as far as the, as far as the eye can see, Yidden. I, I didn't think that we'd have that anymore in America. Rav Aaron Schechter was a person that touched so many souls because he loved so many souls. He cared about people, and there's stories galore. I don't want to, you know, tell a million stories right now. The hour is late, and you could listen, you could read every newspaper, every Jewish magazine this week has stories and stories. I want to tell you a personal story that I think just touches upon this. When I was in learning Chaim Berlin, so the base manager was very crowded. It was Believe it or not, davening was full every single day in Chaim Berlin. And, and I was a little claustrophobic. I didn't like davening. I like I liked, I liked walking. I like, you know, I like ravchas. And so I used to co- co- wake up every morning for davening, but I would daven in the Ezra Snashim. Upstairs, a very big Ezra Snashim, and I would put on my towels and fill in up there, and I would, you know, I would daven, but I would daven like always walking and, you know, pacing, and that's the, you know, sometimes I do it down here also. I like I can't always sit in my seat. I need to walk. I need to roam a little bit, for better or for worse. So I was davening upstairs, and one day I was coming down the marble staircase in Chaim Berlin as Rav Aaron was coming up. We were both wearing our towels and filling. And, and Rav Aaron says to me, he says, Moshe, I, I was looking for you by davening. I was looking for you, uh, you know, a lot by davening. I don't see you. Where are you? I said, Rebbe, I'm here every day by davening. He said, well, I don't see you. He said, yeah, I said, I'm not... In, downstairs, I, I'm, I'm davening in the Ezra Snashim. He says, why do you daven in the Ezra Snashim? I said, it's, it's a little too crowded for me downstairs in the basement. I, I like davening. Uh, so he looks at me and he says, he says, Maisha, you know the difference between me and you? He says, Ichab lieb Yidin. He says, I love Yidin. I want to be amongst Yidin. I love being crammed together with hundreds and thousands of Yidin. I love Yidin. I, I, have, a lead, I have a love for Yidin. Obviously, by the, the converse, you know, was implicit also that, you know, obviously thinks I don't love Yidin. And, and I'm not going to comment on that on air, but... <laughs> but that's who he was. He really loved Yidin. He cared about every Yid. He cared about... He loved Russian Yidin, the Yidin that came over from Russia, he did so much for, and he started shuls and meisters and, and, and Kirov organizations and everything and anything to take care of these Russian Yidin. And that's why all these Russian Yidin today, they acknowledge that they're from because of Aaron, many of them, you know, whether it's in uh, Bera Gaila or, or uh, there were shuls in Flatbush, whatever he did in America for Russian Yidin, that was like, that was an obsession that he had. Svardashi Yidin he loved. He, he took a son-in-law, who was the current Rashiv of Chaim Berlin, Reb Shlema Hali was a Svardasha. And, and I had friends that were Svard, and we went together on Shabbos, and I've spoken about his Shabbos table many times, the Kedusha and the Torah, but, you know, he didn't want to hear my Ashkenaz Zmiris on Shabbos. He just made, like, he said, sing a Zemer, he said to the Svardasha Bacham, and they would sing these beautiful Piyutim on Shabbos, and, and like he would just, his face was like glowing. He loved Svardashi Yidin. 
uh, he, up here in this room, I made a bris for Yitzi 13 years ago. And Rebaran was sitting on the dais, and my uncle, who was a real Yekesh Yid, Oliver Shalom, he was, we were mechabed him with benching, and by Yekesh, by a bris, the benching is like an hour because there's all these harachmans. Like we have a few harachmans in the art school sitter, but Yekas, they know how to do harachmans. They have like a whole booklet, literally, like a pamphlet harachman. He just kept on going. Like my video is like two hours, my, the bris video that somebody was nice enough to make for me. But an hour of it was just the harachmans. It was just like these tefillas that were said. And most people are like, okay, I, I really have to catch the train. Remember, thanks for having me. I'm out of here. Like this, I can't wait till, you know, till the end of this. Rav Aaron was just sitting and looking through all the Rachmans and his face was a glow. He just was loving the, the Minhagim and the Klal Yisrael. That's what made him a godless. The godless was that he loved all of us. And, and Klal Yisrael reciprocate that. When, when there's a godless that loves you, you love them back. Rav Chaim Kanievsky loved Klal Yisrael and Klal Yisrael obviously loved him back. And, and the same is true for so many G'dayli Yisrael, Vadi Yosef and, and you know, Rishlam Zaman Ayerbach loved every yid by you know the Levaya that Rishlam Zaman had six hundred thousand people of every stripe Kipasruga and and Hasidim and Ashkenazim Snagdim everybody loved Rishlam Zaman because he loved them and Rishlam was nifter a week ago the Levaya was a week ago and um, Thursday last Thursday. And, and I didn't, it didn't hit me really. I had a tremendously close relationship with Rav Aaron. I loved Rav Aaron. I think he loved me back. And he told me that he did many times. But for some reason, I didn't, I was, because I was making a bar mitzvah, I think, I was trying to like just stay normal. The morning after the bar mitzvah was over, on, on bar mitzvah was Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, all of a sudden like, like an ocean came out of me of tears. And I missed him so much. And I, and I longed for him. I wish that I could have him back. I wish that I could just speak to him a few minutes and ask him about things. And Bishael Eitzen Hadracha, and by the way, he loved Lander College. He always said to me, he heard great things about what was going on here, and he, he, he was the one that really talked me into taking this position here. I was very reluctant. I was still super yeshivish. I didn't know hashkafically whether I should be going into a college and, and become a shkich in a college, I didn't know what. And I didn't know, should I do it? Should I, I was in a, a yeshivish yeshiva beforehand. I was very happy. I was in Kamenitz yeshiva in Brooklyn. I was a 12th grade rabbi. I was like a superstar. Everybody loved me there. And then I got this amazing offer, but I didn't know if I should do it. And I was like back and forth, making my wife crazy, making everybody crazy. Like, I don't know, should I? That, and and then I just went to Ravaran. Ravaran says, of course you should do it. Of course you should do it. We had to work out some of the details, but of course you should do it. And he pushed me to do it, and I did it. And, and then, Baruch Hashem, you know, we went from yeshiva of 30 guys, 35 guys, and to yeshiva of 200 guys, and he took tremendous nachas. And every time he saw me, every time he spoke to me, even when he was, like, not, not well, and he could barely remember my name, he remembered that, he sent me to, to, to do this mission here in, in Yeshiva. But how much I wish that I had him just for a few minutes to talk about issues, to talk about my family, to talk about problems, talk about Kalal Yisrael, talk about so many things that I had him for, and I, 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 I think I appreciated him, but, but the loss is so great. 
and he wasn't well the past seven years or so, and, and already, but he was alive. As Rav Shlomo was said by the Levaya, he was here, he was a presence. He, you felt that he was still here. You're still able to have simchan that he was in the room, he was in this world, but when we have G'dayli Yisrael Rabbi and I don't mean just the, the, the household name G'dayli Yisrael in B'nai Brak and in Eretz and in Yerushalayim and in, and in, in, in Lakewood, and in, I mean even our Rabbeim, a regular Rabbeim, Rosh Hashiva that we have, Manal that we have, Chaparayim, you don't understand. You know, we think, ah, oh, you know, I have time, we have time, we have time. You don't, we don't have time. Every day is precious. Don't squander a shear. Don't squander a chance to talk to your Rebbe. Whether it's in learning or this Mili Da Alma, don't, don't waste time. And if you have Rabbi in Eretz Yisrael, call them and tell them how much you appreciate what they did for you. But in the living years, make sure that you appreciate what you have because it's not forever. It's not forever. And when we could appreciate that, that is a, that's the greatest kaparo, that's the chata Anything that we may have said or done against tzaddikim, against gedailim, sometimes we get cynical and sometimes we, but we could be mechaper for that by working on our munas chachamim, our abbas chachamim, our dibok chachamim, Appreciation, the simcha that we have over the fact that we have Chachme Yisrael, Banu Chachme Yisrael. Let's daven for them and let's talk to them, let's appreciate them and let's be ma'achid with them. And Amitz Hashem, with that, we'll be able to go and greet Mashiach Tzikainu. Have a wonderful Shabbos, Rabbi Yisrael.